from KDNK Community Access Radio in Carbondale, Colorado, in the United States, this is program number 24 of the Tactile Traveler, empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. I'm Nick Eisenberg. When blind people go places, we don't experience things like our sighted friends. We don't see towering mountains or romantic sunsets. The goal of this program is to create experiences that are more meaningful or just more fun for us and our sighted traveling companions. The Tactile Traveler hopes to empower people not only to go literally around the world, but around the block to new adventures in their lives. Blind rangers from people who are visually impaired and glasses and contact lenses no longer allow them to lead a normal life. To people like me, who are totally blind. To sighted parents with blind children. Blind parents with sighted children and blind parents with blind children, and people of all ages, interests, and physical abilities. On today's program, how orthotics may reduce the need for knee and hip replacements, how to move oxygen concentrators. If you use paratransit anywhere, you can use paratransit everywhere. Using IRA for free at airports outside of the United States. And you don't have to be alone on New Year's Eve. About 22 years ago, I was at a health fair, and an orthopedic surgeon pointed out to me that my left foot was towing out so far, I was wearing out my knees and hips. He ultimately scheduled leg realignment surgery for me, so I wouldn't have to replace my hips and knees later. But the night before the surgery, he called me into his office and said it was pretty drastic. So he wanted me to try orthotics first through biomechanics that caused my feet to walk correctly. The orthotics work so well, I've been wearing them since and I've had no problems with my knees or hips. In the process of producing a documentary before I was blind, I shot pictures of people's feet as they were walking and realized that an awful lot of people toe out. Towing out or duck foot walking is what a lot of people call that. Um, what happens when you toe out is often with your foot externally rotated, pointing outward, your knee is also pointing outward. So your body is walking straight ahead, but your knees are pointing side to side, if that makes sense. So the knee is designed to be a hinge that functions straight in, basically in a straight direction, straight ahead. And so if your knee is pointed a direction other than your line of progression, that puts stresses on the knee that will cause early wear and pain and the orthotics if they can correct that by realigning your feet and also pointing your knees in the direction you're actually walking, then your knee tracks appropriately and it doesn't experience early wear. That's Dr. Noel Armstrong, 
a podiatrist in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, where I live. He's a doctor that specializes in foot and ankle problems. Dr. Armstrong says there's something you can do to see how towing out puts stress on your knees and hips. So one thing you'll notice, if you're standing with your feet uh, well aligned, your knees perfectly straight ahead, and then you decide to point your foot outward, you'll notice that your hip externally rotates. And the hip has a few more, it has a little bit more freedom in its motion than the knee. You know, a few more degrees of freedom, we would call it. But even uh, if the external rotation is bad enough, or on the other hand, if you have internal rotation or pronation, that can cause impingement and poor tracking in the knee, leading to tendonitis, bursitis, early wear, and other problems. Dr. Daniel Moon is a professor of orthopedic surgery at the University of Colorado Medical School, specializing in foot and ankle surgery. He says even though orthotics are used for a lot of purposes, there's been very little research on orthotics. We are trying to put together some good orthotics research in our own. The, the issue with orthotics that I would like to kind of make sure that your listeners can understand is that I tell patients that orthotics are like cars. It's like if someone says, okay, you should go get a car. Well, okay, great. But do you want an SUV? Do you need a sports car? What are you going to use it for? And the same thing applies to orthotics, and this is what makes part of it so hard to, to study, is that orthotics can do many different things, and people use them for many different kinds of purposes. Russell Borling is an orthotist. He makes custom orthotics. Since everybody's feet are a little bit different and shoes are made for the general mass of people, orthotics help fill in the void space of the shoe and balance the foot and ankle so that there's a proper weight-bearing pattern. And, and by improving the biomechanics of the feet and ankles, you can improve the mechanics of the knees and the hips, and then that's how you can be a little bit more injury-free. Russell says orthotics are very important for people who are athletic. I think the most important thing is to understand that improper footwear is the number one cause of athletic injury, and that would be if you're athletic, even if you're just going for walks. So if you bought the wrong shoe, or if your shoe was broken down, or maybe you need an insole or an orthotic inside the shoe to balance your foot and, and prevent injury that way. A lot of times people will look at many other modalities or things to go injury-free, but if they look at their shoes and footwear, that's a, the, one of the most important things that you can think about to have a healthy lifestyle. There are a lot of specialized orthotics. I have ski orthotics in my ski boots, which helps me keep my weight distributed correctly on my skis. Russell makes such specialized orthotics as ballet orthotics, orthotics for tango dancers. He even made Lance Armstrong and members of the U.S. cycling team cycling orthotics in the past. Dr. Armstrong says there are indicators of the need to have your foot position checked out. That many of us are relatively unaware of the way we walk, whether we can see or not. Just because somebody has sight doesn't mean that they have any self-awareness of the way that they're walking. So there are people who are sometimes surprised when they see how they're walking or they have their gait analyzed. That being said, I think pain in the foot, pain in the side of the ankle, one side or the other, 
if you notice your shoes wearing out unevenly, so one side, say the lateral side of your shoe dramatically wears out compared to the medial side. If you feel unstable, you don't feel well balanced, you feel your foot wobbling as you're walking. If you suspect that the way your knee is bending is not straight in line with the direction you're going as you walk, so if you feel like you're kind of stepping side to side, and then, of course, if you do have pain in the low back, hips, or knees, I think the best thing you could do would probably be to just have a gait analysis. That can be done through some experienced chiropractors, physical therapists, podiatrists, your orthopedist. Have them watch you walk and see if they notice something that could improve your efficiency and also prevent injury. Dr. Moon says you can also tell by the position of your feet if you need to have a professional look at your feet. He uses a right foot and the face of a clock as a guide. If your foot goes past 130, that's a pretty, that's, a, that's an abnormal turn. Now, if you have no symptoms and no pain, then it's probably not as urgent if that's, you feel like the way you've always walked. If you're somewhere around one o'clock or, you know, 1245 or something like there, I think that's completely normal and I wouldn't be worried about that. If your right foot is pointing at 11, you have, you may have another problem. Right. So, and that actually is probably going to potentially put you at higher risk for ankle rolls and such. Uh, but there is, there are, there are, there are some differences. But yeah, I think as a general rule, if you're past two o'clock, even if you're not having symptoms, that's getting that's getting pretty up there, right? So you're you're talking about sixty degrees. I mean, that's that's a lot of turning out. If you're at one o'clock, you know, at the thirty degrees, you're probably probably fine. And and again, it's hard to know what it feels like. I don't take every step knowing what angle my foot is. But yeah, that might be a, a way of getting a sense for, for if you're starting to get to a point where you might be worried about some pathology. Dr. Armstrong says there's a lot of people who can tell if you might need to have your foot position checked out. Well, assuming that, like you say, most of your listeners cannot see the way they're walking, Consult with someone. You can even ask a friend and say, do you notice anything about the way I'm walking? But if you really want to find out, if you have problems with your knee, your hip, your back, which so many of us do, obviously, so it doesn't always have to be foot and ankle condition, but certainly any foot and ankle condition, any lower extremity problem. So there are any number of symptoms that if you feel like your foot function might be contributing to them, you might be right. And worst case scenario is you go in, have it checked, and you get told that your gait is fairly normal and probably not contributing. But best case scenario is you can solve a problem with a device that is non-invasive, it's very comfortable, it makes you feel better, improves your energy, decreases your pain, and can prevent a lot of problems down the road. And a great place to get checked out for free is a health fair where there'll be professionals ranging from physical therapists to orthopedic surgeons. Insurance companies vary on orthotics coverage. Some may require a prescription from a doctor or someone like a physical therapist. And some insurance companies require that you're in pain to be covered. Paula Frond helped with this story.
That's the sounds of an oxygen concentrator starting up. It's at least 10 years old and pretty noisy. Newer ones are quieter. But if you have an older one or a newer one, and plan on taking it with you when you travel or move, you just can't throw it in the trunk or back of your car and expect it to work when you reach your destination. So the compressors themselves, they are, they're mounted on like rubberized, sometimes they'll have a spring in them, a tight mount. So because of the vibration in the compressor, they are delicate, they're sensitive to heat, cold, they need to be upright. Tom Helm is the respiratory therapy coordinator at UC Health. University of Colorado Hospital in Aurora, Colorado. You want the machine uh, to be upright. You want it to be in a place within the vehicle that's secure, like in a, a cargo area, um, or uh, secure in like a back seat, but you definitely want it upright. And you also want to be prepared for anything that may happen um, while it's in transport, like for example, a sudden anything like that. Uh, you want to make sure that that machine, because they do, you know, they can weigh upwards of 55 pounds, you really want to make sure that they're safe and secure and that there's no way that they can you know, move around or, or potentially hurt somebody or become a projectile in case of a sudden stop. One thing you can do is to ask your oxygen concentrator supplier for a shipping box. So the manufacturer, uh, they have a, a box designed for the machine with the appropriate weight tolerances, foam padding, all that good stuff. And you don't want to, say, put it in the car. You can always request that box from your supplier and they can deliver that. You can pack the machine in that box. Better yet. When your concentrator is delivered, if maybe they need to transport, or even if not, it's, a, it's always a good idea to have it. You can definitely request that from your oxygen company and just put it in the garage, put it away in case you need it. And it's, th those boxes are handy in case you need to move or something as simple as like a trip. But it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. <laughs> so but definitely work with your, your DME company. I know from working with several DMEs in my career, we've always had those boxes on standby and we keep a couple around. And then anytime we get a shipment of concentrators, put the boxes aside. You know, if patients want them because it's a new machine, by all means, it's there. It also comes with all the, uh, the instruction booklet and everything uh, that comes with the machine as well. So not a bad idea to, to keep that in place just in case you need it or you have to ship it. Tom says most people get their oxygen supplies from big national companies with lots of local stores. So they may be able to have what you need waiting for you at your destination, which eliminates the hassles of moving yours. Finally, Tom says have a plan on what to do if your concentrator's damaged or delayed in transit. Brian Crump and Paula Froon helped with this story. Paratransit is a program operated under the Americans with Disabilities Act. It's a program that provides rides for doctor's appointments, shopping, and anything else we need to lead a normal life. If you're certified for paratransit anywhere in the United States, you're eligible for paratransit in any paratransit system in the United States. But you just can't show up in a new city and expect to get a ride like calling a cab. You have to be temporarily certified by the new paratransit system. For example, if you're traveling to Los Angeles. Certainly, it's a very easy process for visitors, and, and this is available on our website as well in the Writer's Guide, but for eligible visitors, you would just make contact with Access uh, Customer Service.
and that would be by phone, email, or fax, and provide us that proof that you are already an eligible writer, and we would grant that visitor rights for you to use access during your visit to Los Angeles for a period of 21 days during any 12-month period. Randy Johnson is a spokesperson for the paratransit system in Los Angeles. It's called Access. Then you would just provide us evidence of a disability, which might be a letter from your doctor, and the dates of when you're visiting Los Angeles, and we would we would give you a conditional eligibility to ride during your visit to Los Angeles, again, for a period of 21 days. That proof can be a photocopy of your home paratransit ID card or a rehabilitation program like a center for the blind to confirm your disability. And if it's temporary or permanent, Randy says you can use transit even if you don't use paratransit at home or even live in the United States. How you make reservations varies widely. Here you can schedule a ride up to two weeks in advance. In Denver, it's up to a week in advance. In Los Angeles, we're next day service. So you would, you could not schedule a trip earlier than the day before. So you wouldn't be able to like let us know now when you get to LA, you want to go to Long Beach. Once you're in Los Angeles, if you wanted to make a trip to uh, Long Beach the next day, you would call the day before. If you're traveling the day before on a ship, plane, or train, and you don't have access to phone service, someone else can book it for you. Where and when you can use paratransit is usually limited to three-quarters of a mile from the closest regularly scheduled bus route, and only during the hours that bus operates. The price of trips also varies from system to system. Where and when you can use paratransit is usually limited to three-quarters of a mile from the closest regularly scheduled bus route and only during the hours that bus operates. The times you can schedule rides also varies widely. On some systems, it's only weekdays from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Others operate 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Start working with your paratransit authority where you'll be visiting well in advance of your trip. It might take a while to get your temporary certification. You can search paratransit, the name of the city where you'll be visiting, to find the name and contact information for the location you'll be going to. Lydia Eckert helped with this story. Lyra is a normally paid service that uses the camera on your iPhone to solve problems. One of the problems they solve is that the service is free in a number of businesses and airports. Today we're going to talk about airports outside of the United States that provide free IRA assistance. They are Gatwick Airport near London, the Sydney Airport, Sydney, Australia, the Toronto Pierce International Airport, Toronto, Canada, and the Wellington International Airport, Wellington, New Zealand. IRA can do a whole bunch of things to make you independent. If you're departing from an airport, 
They can guide you from wherever you're dropped off to the airport entrance, to the ticket desk, through security, and to the departure date. It can also direct you to the entrance of restrooms. They obviously won't help you inside the restrooms. And they'll guide you back to your departure gate and into restaurants and stores. In restaurants, they'll read the menu to you and help you find a table. They'll also help you get into the right line and guide you down the airway to the plane. And then they can help you find your seat on the plane. When you arrive at your destination, if it's at an airport that also provides free iris service, they'll direct you through customs and the luggage claim. They'll even help you find your suitcase. If you have a guide dog, they'll have a diagram of the airport and know where the service dog relief areas are. If you're meeting someone that doesn't know you, they'll help you find a person holding a sign with your name on it. Or they'll guide you to a designated place where you've arranged to meet each other. If the person meeting you is also blind, they'll look for someone using a white cane or guide dog. You do have to have the IRA app on your phone, which is free. Upload it well before you leave home and become familiar with it. I was a reporter for KREX-TV in Grand Junction, Colorado in 1976. And I did a story on You Don't Have to Be Alone on New Year's Eve. And I found out how important it is for people to be with other people on New Year's Eve. Up until then, for the 25 years the station had been on the air, the most phone calls they ever received about a story was four. When I did the story on You Don't Have to Be Alone on New Year's Eve and announced that there was going to be a singles party, the station got 48 phone calls and 48 people showed up for the party. It showed how important having companionship on New Year's Eve is. To make sure that you're not alone, check out the announcements in your local newspaper and call the newspaper and your local radio station and suggest that they do a story on You Don't Have to Be Alone on New Year's Eve. They'll be hurting for stories on Christmas week and appreciate the suggestion. But don't wait until Christmas week to call them. That way, a reporter can do the story in advance and be able to take some time off during the holidays. If you decide to hold the singles party, make it easy on yourself. Have the guests bring food and their own drinks and ask them to help you clean up afterwards. I went to that party in Grand Junction and ended up dating the hostess for a couple of years. All of us at the Tactile Traveler have really enjoyed sharing another year with you. And we hope that you and yours have the merriest of Christmas and a happy new year. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy new year.
why it's my talking scale, reminding us that we'd like you to weigh in on how we're doing. Please send us an email with story ideas in the subject line to the tactile traveler at gmail.com. We spell traveler the American way with one L. If you'd like to help underwrite this program, please send us an email with underwriting in the subject line at thetactiletraveler at gmail.com. Transcripts of this program are available for our deaf listeners by searching The Tactile Traveler in any search engine. This program is being broadcast on the Audio Information Network of Colorado and in additional states. It's also available by typing The Tactile Traveler into any search engine and available wherever you get podcasts. It's also available by asking your smart speaker to play the podcast The Tactile Traveler. We'd like to thank the following organizations and people who have helped make today's program possible. Be My Eyes Microsoft Accessibility Tech Support, Apple Accessibility Tech Support, Pat Caro, Lorraine Hutchinson, Sarah Williams, Sophia Williams, Lucas Turner, and Raleigh Burley. This has been the Tactile Traveler. Empowering blind and low vision people to explore the world and helping our sighted friends see the world in a new way. This has been a production of KDNK Community Access Radio, Carbondale, Colorado. Mm-hmm.